Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Homelands flagship podcast. We are back with another recap for you guys this week, coming off a 41 to 20 win for Ohio State over Tulsa. I, I know it said that on the scoreboard, Josh, but emotionally, it felt like about a 52 to 10 loss. Uh, a lot to break down from this game, but uh, yeah, the general sentiment I would imagine from you, me, and the rest of Buckeye Nation is that this was another uh, it was another stinker from Ohio State this week. They didn't, you know, some things were different, but it was it was more or less the same story here for Ohio State as the offense couldn't really get it going and the defense still looks really bad. Yeah, this was a game that it, it caused me more concern than the Oregon game did. I looked at the Oregon game as you know, look, they're a solid opponent. I know that they didn't beat the brakes off of Stony Brook yesterday, but they pulled away in the second half. I still think that's a good team. They're up to number four in the country for good reason. Um, you know, I looked at that game as, as a bad game plan and bad execution. This one was more concerning. It's a 21 point victory in the newspaper. Um, but obviously if, if you watched it, like we did, they just, I don't know. It seemed like they had a lack of passion. The lack of execution was still there. Lack of, uh, uh, lacking a lot, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, this was not a 21-point victory over a solid opponent. They were lucky to get a pick six at the end. Uh, Tulsa was within one possession for quite a bit of time in the second half. So felt like a loss. Like you said, uh, I don't take a whole lot of positives from it. And uh, a lot to sort of dissect, maybe not right now, uh, but moving forward, what we're going to see or what we think we might see for the rest of the season. Yeah. So before we start, sort of start to sort through the wreckage here, if you will, of, of what went wrong for Ohio State in this game, I guess we could touch on uh, a few of the bright spots and there aren't a ton, but I guess obviously the biggest bright spot of the day was Travion Henderson having just an absolute field day. Uh, he is He's pretty much everything we thought he would be as the five-star running back coming in. He ran the ball 24 times, 277 yards, and three touchdowns. He broke the Ohio State freshman record in rushing. And, uh, I mean, he's pretty much, like, we keep saying it every time he touches the ball, like, this is just a special dude. Like, he is... He's just a guy you don't see all the time, and like with no disrespect to to J.K. Dobbins or, or Ezekiel Elliott, if this guy could continue to grow and build in this offense, I think he has every chance to be even better than those guys were. And those are two spectacular running backs. But this guy is just every time the ball's in his hands, you think he has a chance to score, and he's just got such a a crazy mix of just strength and vision and speed, and he's just got like every positive trait you could want in a running back. He has it. And this Ohio State offense is so much better with him getting more and more touches. It was kind of a weird running back rotation for Ohio State because Mayan Williams had missed a practice or two this week, so he didn't play in this game. He, I don't think he was injured. It was just, you know, whatever else was going on. So more weird things with this team. But Master Teague got kind of the second team reps. And, you know, while Travion Henderson was averaging 11.5 a carry, Master Teague was averaging 4.4, which seems pretty much par for the course with how much I expect these two guys to play. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, we, we are going to sing Trayvon Henderson's praises probably all season. This dude, you know, I saw people, I don't remember which broadcast is on, but on one of the other games, they're basically saying, you know, Trayvon Henderson might not be, you know, the number one running back in the country this season in terms of, you know, brand recognition and just all the stuff that goes into that. But by by this time next season, you know, the entire country will be talking about Trayvon Henderson as, as hands down the number one running back in the country. And this kid is just incredible. Yeah, you kind of hit on it, right? He doesn't have a weakness. He kind of seems good in all areas. The first we really saw of him was a 70-yard reception for a touchdown, and now we've seen him more and more as a runner. He checks all the boxes. Um, 
you know, I, I was concerned about the physicality. He, he didn't play last year in Virginia. So he's a year plus out of football and he's a true freshman. He's I think 18 years old, maybe he's 19 now, but I kind of thought coming into the season, they would have to ease him in a little bit, but it seems as if he has hit the ground running. He takes the hits. He bounces off of guys if they can get to him. Uh, he does quite a bit of making them miss as well. But uh, and, and even the the scary looking kind of tackle that occurred yesterday, you thought that that may have been a really bad injury. And it, I, I don't know what it says about his physical makeup, but like he kind of walked it off very quickly. And that's something that I, I thought when I saw it live, I was like, there's his ACL or like that's a snapped femur or something. Your, his leg's not supposed to do that in that direction at that time, but you know, pliability. Yeah, is I'm key, pretty I sure guess. on the, I'm pretty sure on the Him next drive Brady. too, he had like a, like a 50 yard touchdown or something. It was just immediately like, Oh, this guy's perfectly fine. Like no, no ill wear at all. Yep. Yeah. So good to see from him. And I think that this is, there's no shadow of a doubt. He is the main guy moving forward. And it seems as if we may need him to carry this offense as crazy as that sounds to say. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely get to, you know, the rest of this offense and what went down on Saturday. But before we kind of get to some of that stuff, I did want to touch on some of the the few bright spots that were on the defense. Um as we as you probably heard by now, it wasn't Kerry Combs calling plays on Saturday. It was Matt Barnes. Um they did vary some stuff a little bit. They sent some extra blitzes. They they threw out some some different looks, but I mean, it, it's not they, Ohio State really runs like two defensive plays, so calling plays on defense is really not a big deal at this point. I think this scheme is just more or less broken. The things they're asking players to do are broken, and I don't think whoever's calling plays is really going to matter all that much. You just have to change what you're actually doing, and they haven't to this point. I mean, you can't it's tough to entirely overhaul your defense midseason, so I think Ohio State is just kind of stuck at this point. I don't know how much they could really fix. Um, I think, you know, not rotating personnel as much would help, but we'll get to that in a second. But some of the bright spots on this defense are obviously the corners. You know, I thought that the the back end of the secondary played pretty well, especially without Josh Proctor. And while I don't think the the guy that's the now starting safety played particularly well, I thought guys like Denzel Burke and uh, Cam Brown both played really well. Uh, Cam Martinez also flashed. He had the long pick six. So it's good to see some of these guys stepping up. A lot of the young guys in the secondary. We also saw the uh, season debut of seven banks back there. So I thought a lot of these guys, you know, did a lot of good things in the secondary. And two, to you know, to Ohio State's defensive credit, they they stopped the run a lot better. They only allowed 70 yards rushing. And, you know, as Josh wrote about this week and as we talked about on the podcast last week, the rushing attack was really the part of Tulsa you had to worry about. So it seemed like Ohio State did a pretty good job against the run. You know, they only Tulsa only averaged 2.6 yards per carry. So, the, you know, the middle part of the defensive line, and I thought even the linebackers played pretty decently in the run game. Uh, and then the corners played well on like the deep passing, but then everything else was kind of a mess. But yeah, shout out to, you know, freshman Denzel Burke. He's looking better and better every week. Uh, Cam Brown looked to be moving a little better this week after he was kind of hobbled last week coming off that Achilles injury. And then, like I said, we kind of saw, you know, the, the, the coming of age of Cam Martinez back there as a, as a guy that can maybe step up for this defense. And then we saw, I still don't really know what's up with seven banks, but I know he played in this game and that's really all I can say about him at this point. Yeah, I find his uh, his usage to still be very odd. You know, Ryan Day said after the game that he's been practicing better, so they'll look at film moving forward. I I would not, or I can't put my finger on whether he was injured, injured, has been injured, if this is disciplinary. Like, I don't know what they're doing. And now, 
in place of seven banks, I think Cam Brown has played well. And I think Denzel Burke has been arguably the best player on Ohio State's defense. So I'm not saying seven banks has to be out there. But coming into the season, there was no no rumors. There were no, um, you know, nothing that would lead us to believe that seven banks was not firmly cemented as the top corner on this team. And then week one, he's not out there. Week two, he's warming up more. He's not out there. Week three, he's warming up more and more, but he's only getting out there a couple plays. I have no idea where to go with him, but I do think that the secondary played much better than it looks in the box score. You know, Davis Brent threw for 428 yards, which is more than he had thrown for in two games. Uh, including, com- including an FCS opponent. Yes, but I feel like a lot of those yards were through big plays and busted coverages, and maybe that's scheme and coaching. You know, I don't, there weren't a lot of plays where DBs got easily beat in one on one coverage. You know, like when there were tight windows that Bryn was throwing into, OSU DBs were there. Uh, Burke and Brown both had a couple really nice breakups on longer passes down each sideline, one to the right, one to the left. So, I thought they played well. The fact that Tulsa threw for 428 yards means that, you know, they weren't running the ball very well, which they weren't. Uh, Tulsa ran the ball for like 73 yards, I think. And they had the ball quite a bit because, frankly, Ohio State wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot on offense outside of Travion Henderson. So this was a plus from the back half of the defense. But I still have a ton of questions up front, which I know we can get to. But all in all, I thought those DBs performed well. Cam Martinez, um, and we'll talk about the guys up front more, but Tyleek Williams, I thought JTT, some of the best-looking guys Saturday are the youngest guys and the ones who had not had a whole lot of experience coming in. I think that I won't say that they were our saving grace. I think we were winning this game a thousand times out of a thousand, but they made it easier and they they stepped up really big for this team. Yeah, and I mean, we could kind of just, well, now that we're on the defense, we could just talk about it at large now and discuss some of the issues here. But I, I think it is kind of telling that a lot of the freshmen are this team's best players on defense. It's almost like the coaching staff hasn't had a chance to ruin them yet. Um, I think there really is something to that at this point because like they're the only guys that seem to have any idea what they're doing and the guys that have been in the program for three or four years and have now been taught a a seemingly impossible to learn scheme are just completely struggling out there. And, you know, we talk about we talk about uh, Cam Brown and, and Denzel Burke. They did play very well. I thought especially on a few of those deep balls, Ohio State really hasn't been beaten deep yet. And while I haven't really played teams that that air it out and throw deep, Tulsa did take some shots. And like you said, Brown and Burke both came up with some pretty big pass breakups and one on one coverage downfield. So that was nice to see. Um, Ohio State still needs to find a starting safety. Bryson Shaw is not that guy, pal. Uh, I don't know what else to say there. I mean, he's a he's a low three star recruit. He's not fast. He doesn't take good angles. He's not good at safety. We need a safety. I don't know what what Court Williams is doing. What we're doing with you know guys like Lathan Ransom and others back there. But they need to find a solution because he's not it. Um, the linebackers, I really didn't even seem to notice, which I think for Ohio State's linebackers is best case scenario. Um, I think that they still have no idea how deep to drop back on zone coverage, which is why you see so many of these wide open guys across the middle. Uh, it seems like they're just so scared of the run that they just don't. They they never drop back deep enough into coverage, and the middle of the field is always wide open when Ohio State is in a zone. So that's certainly troubling, and certain certainly something that teams are looking to take advantage or, or advantage of early and often against Ohio State. 
And then the defensive line has been the absolute worst unit on this team. As much as the linebackers have gotten flack, this unit is not any good. Like, it's not even serviceably good. They have they had two sacks in this game. Both of them came from defensive tackles. One was uh, Tyleek Williams. The other was Antoine Jackson. Uh, both of them more of like coverage sacks than actual rushes. Although Tyreek Williams' sack was actually pretty good. He busted through the line and got to him pretty quickly. But this defensive line, just watching them on Saturday, was honestly kind of embarrassing how little pressure they got. I mean, Davis Brin hadn't thrown a touchdown pass this season before this game, and he threw two against Ohio State. And I mean, he had he had all day back there to, to make these reads and make these throws. Like he wasn't, it wasn't like he was making crazy throws and 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 reading a defense doing all this stuff. Like he was just standing back there for 15 seconds, and Ohio State's five star talents couldn't get past this Tulsa offensive line. And it's it's kind of crazy to watch. Like I know Zach Harrison was out this weekend. Not that he's played particularly well through the first two games, but. I mean, guys like you know, you know Tyreek Smith and uh, and these guys up front that you expect to be so good have just gotten absolutely nothing. Even you know, I mean, JT Tumalau has played pretty well in limited snaps, and you know we saw Jack Sawyer out there a little bit. But even these guys who are super highly touted, they just got zero pressure at all. There weren't even like it wasn't even like they were getting hurries and they just weren't getting there. He was getting rid of the ball. Nah, he was Davis Brin. Something called a Davis Brin was just standing back there for hours at a time making passes, and it's like it's like what is. I don't know what the problem is with this Ohio State defensive line. We know Larry Johnson is a great position coach, and I don't think it's really on him. And I don't know, like, the players are good, so I don't know if if that's also a scheme thing where these guys are just, they're worried about the run game too, so they're not pressuring as hard. And I don't know if it, it's like a lack of energy or effort, whatever it is, but it's just this defensive line is, I think, a huge problem for an Ohio State defense that has so many questions on the rest of the, the defense that, like, these guys can't afford to not be good. When you have linebackers and some DBs and a safety that's all struggling, you can't be giving opposing quarterbacks all this time in the pocket. And I think this is, of all the problems on this defense, I think this is the biggest one that this defensive line is not getting anywhere near the quarterback, especially against a team like Tulsa. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that an improved defense or a strong defense, especially in Ohio State's case, it has to start up front. Your guys are either getting pressure or they're eliminating the run game altogether. Like there's got to be a strength. There's got to be something that they're essentially taking away from the opposing offense. And really the only thing that we've seen this defensive line do on occasion is look good up front. Um, And I'm, I'm talking about like through the middle, up the gut, Haskell Garrett has been involved when he gets an opportunity, but he's a big wrecking ball of a defensive tackle, right? He can only do so much and and he is very dependent upon a what's going on with the other team and B kind of the guys around him. If nothing's being funneled into the middle, look, Haskell Garrett is not chasing down sweeps. He's not getting, uh, you know, quarterbacks outside of the pocket. He's there to eat up space, take on multiple blockers and be really, really good against the run right now. So I kind of remove him from the equation. No one else on this defensive line has shown me anything except for Tyleek Williams. Um, Saturday, I'm with you. I thought he looked really good. And I think JTT has flashed. His stats aren't really there. He doesn't have a sack. I don't think he has a tackle for loss, but he's just He's kind of there a lot. He's around. He's, you know, jumping up and almost tipping a pass, something like that. But outside of that, yeah, you're right. We're getting nothing from those guys. And it was supposed to be a strength and it needs to be a strength to help the back seven, the seven teammates that they have behind them. They're definitely not carrying up, uh, you know, their end of the deal or their end of the bargain right now. And 
I don't know what the fix is. You talked about it. Larry Johnson is a hell of a position coach. He is one of the most highly respected coaches probably in college football. Head coach, position coach, doesn't matter. He's up there. And the guys are talented, but they were they were viewed as talents a couple of years ago, if you know what I mean. Like, I know Zach Harrison didn't play, but Zach Harrison's not a freshman anymore. Zach Harrison is a junior who has started a ton of games. Okay, so he had a strip sack. That's about it. Tyreek Smith is what? He's a fifth year senior, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Um, Tyreek Smith, he's played plenty. If he's not getting there, kind of what's the point? Antoine Jackson's been in school forever. Jerron Cage has been in school forever. Talent gets you recruited and talent gets you on the field. But once you're on the field, you got to do something with it. And these guys, they haven't really. And if, if that's going to be the level of production that we get from them, I'm fine with changes across the board. Um, even Javante John Baptiste, he looks like a prototypical pass rusher. He's a little bit um, you know, thinner than the other guys. He has the broad shoulders, the long arms, the long legs, prototypical type. But I mean, he's bringing nothing to the table either. And I know the talent's there. I know they're receiving good coaching. So what's going on? Is it drive? Is it, are they thinking too much? Are they thinking, yeah, I want to rush the passer, but I also need to make sure that I'm, you know, protecting the guys behind me. We saw a couple ends drop off in pass coverage. I don't know what the hell the plan was there, but yeah, it's a tough riddle to solve right now. This is essentially, it's not the exact same, but this is essentially like if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave couldn't get open, you'd be like, what's going on right now, right? Those guys are two of the best in the country. I'm not saying that the individuals on our defensive line are necessarily the best in the country, but as a collection, they were expected to be a force and like I said, it's it's the opposite. It's like if Olave could no longer get open. I, I do want to talk about his drops, but it's like if Garrett Wilson was another, you know, a four-six guy out there with no leaping ability and a ton of drops all of a sudden, like you would just be like, this doesn't add up. So I don't know what's going on, you know, up front, but they need to figure that out to help what's going on behind those guys because they're going to lead the charge if, if Ohio State's going to have an improved defense, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up like the idea of them possibly thinking too much because like I kind of brought up last week, I think that's more or less the problem with this whole defense still is that these guys just have too many individual assignments that they're worried about and they're not just playing fast and going after the football and just see ball, get ball. It still seems to be the same problem. And I know, like I said, you can't really, like the way that they've taught these guys in the offseason, they can't overhaul all of that in one week, but... I mean, that's still the problem out there. They're still subbing far too much. You can't get a cohesive 11 out there if you're putting 11 different guys on the field on seemingly every different play. I mean, it's at the point where Ohio State is getting flagged yesterday for a legal substitution because they're trying to sub so frequently, and it just nope. it doesn't make any sense. Like, It's not like these guys are gassed against like a, a high-powered, high like fast-moving Tulsa offense. Like, There's no reason to be subbing guys in and out at every single position, every single play. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why they continue to do it. It's like they, they can't figure out who their best players are when everyone else can see who they are pretty much from the stand. So I don't really – I still don't understand what the coaching staff is doing regardless of who's calling plays. While, while you're there, and maybe you're getting ready to jump on this, so I apologize if I'm kind of stealing your thunder, but 
we're talking about scheme, coaching, defensive front, kind of I'm lumping that all together. I do at least like the aggression they showed yesterday, specifically with the blitzing. Did it get home very often? No. But if you're going to have no pass rush whatsoever from those front four, you need to supplement somehow. And if your linebackers are also struggling with assignments or, you know, even direction, hey, where am I going on this play, whether they're thinking too much or not, then bring them up. Send them after the pass or after the quarterback, and let's have five, six, seven guys rushing the passer at the same time because what they did the first couple of weeks didn't work at all. And it wasn't great at times against Tulsa. But if you've got two weaknesses, right? Your front four is a weakness right now, and your linebackers are a weakness. Well, then just go power in numbers. You know, neither one of these units is performing the way that we need to. Let's just send them all. Let's send six guys on this third and five. Hope that our guys in the back end can can hold up. So I did like to see that as far as coaching and pressure goes. They tried to create it. They didn't just rely on those four up front. So I would like to see more of that going forward. It just needs they need how they need to figure out how to make it effective. Yeah. And, you know, it was like you said, it was nice to see them at least try to send some blitzes and maybe show some different looks on defense. But at the same time, that didn't work either. It was like when Ohio State sent a blitz that Tulsa had like eight offensive linemen out there. I don't really, <laughs> I don't know how it was possible, but literally Ohio State would send like an odd number of guys at them and they'd still like, Davis Brown would still just stand there not moving in the pocket. Like I don't, I don't get how those didn't get home and it just doesn't, Not nothing Ohio State does can create any sort of pressure and it's just a weird, weird thing going on with this defense. I saw a tweet this morning from, uh, from Bill Landis that Ohio State's 11 tackles for loss this season are the fewest in the Big Ten. That yeah. includes teams like Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois. Like That is mind-boggling with the amount of talent and athletes Ohio State has that they have 11 tackles for loss, especially when, you know, you know, the Minnesota offense, not the best. Oregon had a ton of ton of chances for tackles for loss that guys missed. Uh, Tulsa has lost to an FCS school, as I've said time and time again. Like These are games where you should be piling up sacks and tackles and they tackles for loss and they just simply haven't done it and I don't know you know how much time it's worth us wasting our breath talking about the defense when it's more or less the same as it was last week I don't I I just I don't I'm not confident in their ability to fix it I just think it's broken and it's like I think they broke the players like the players are thinking too much there's too much going on for them to figure out like how to do any individual assignment they're not putting their best players on the field frequently enough it's all the same problems more or less that we saw last week and I don't really know how it gets any better. And if it doesn't get any better, then I I don't have many high hopes for this Ohio State defense. You know, on top of the defense looking bad on Saturday, the offense looked pretty bad as well, aside from Travion Henderson. And and there's a lot to talk about there as well. But, you know, my my first gripe, I guess, with this offense is that uh, C.J. Stroud, you know, we were big defenders of C.J. Stroud last week. You got to let the guy, you know, kind of get get his feet wet, kind of adapt with this offense. At the same time, this is a dude who's clearly playing hurt. You know, he he said as much in the post game that his throwing shoulder isn't 100%. We saw there were at times in practice in the offseason where he was taking days off. His shoulder is clearly not okay, and it, it's now starting to affect his play in a big way. I think that's also, you know, could be a reason why he doesn't want to run. We've seen, you know, we saw last year when he came in in that Michigan State game, the guy could run. He's quick, he, he's, he's fast, he knows what he's doing with the ball. He could run, and like the fact that he's not running at all in any way, like it's they they're running this inside zone run where he never keeps. 
and it's just you know it's hurting the run game a little bit there but I just I, I don't think he's playing 100% and if you're playing teams like Tulsa and Akron I know you don't want to like make it look like you're benching your quarterback but if this guy needs to heal up so that he's ready to play in the big games I don't know why you wouldn't take this chance to do it instead of throwing him out there and hurting the rest of your offense I mean Ohio State didn't complete a single pass yesterday to Chris Olave and that's nearly impossible. And I don't know how much of that falls on, you know, some bad play calling. I didn't think Ryan Day called a good, a great game by any means yesterday. But to not get a single ball, I mean, there was one that he caught deep that was called back on a penalty, and there were a few drops. So I didn't think any of the drops were particularly. There was one that was particularly egregious. But I thought a lot of, you know, as, as we've seen the first couple of weeks, a lot of Stroud's throws were high. There were a lot of, you know, missed throws, missed targets, and it's just I don't, I don't think this guy is a hundred percent. I don't think if he was. Playing 100%, he would look the way he does. I don't think he would win the quarterback battle playing like this. So I just think they need to really take a hard look at this, especially against Akron. If this guy needs a game off, a week off, whatever you need to do to get him healthy, I think it needs to be done. And I know you don't want it to start a quarterback controversy, but if the guy can't play and he's hurt, I don't see why you're throwing him out there against teams like this. Yeah, and I think C.J. Stroud potentially being hurt is part of what attributed to the play calling yesterday. I, I'm with you. I don't think the play calling was great. I thought that the passing game especially was incredibly vanilla, but that may be because of the lack of faith in either CJ Stroud, the passer or the lack of faith in his health or his ability to do things. You know, we saw big plays. We saw these, uh, you know, drag routes and these crossing patterns that Ohio state has been known for, but they don't do it five yards deep. They do it 15 yards deep, and it turns into a 30-yard play every time. We didn't see stuff like that. And I was kind of thinking about it throughout the game. I'm like, what is going It seemed like Ryan Day was content to ride out Travion Henderson. And what did he take? I, I, I can think of two memorable deep shots. One was the Olave catch that was called back, and I think he targeted Will, uh, the interception. Who was he targeting on the interception? I think it was Rucker. Yeah, that was a deeper shot, and he just airmailed I think it. he also had one across the middle to Garrett Wilson that he overthrew, if my mind, if memory serves. I yeah, think it was like over the middle, like early. There's clearly something. Either he's not 100% or he just gets nervous or hesitant in these games because that's all we heard in the lead-up to the season was this guy's incredibly accurate. He's becoming a leader. He's this, that, and the other. I, I still believe it, and I was the biggest C.J. Stroud defender through two games, but what I saw on Saturday is not good enough. He missed too many easy throws. He was not willing to throw the ball down the field. And we've talked about his running or lack thereof. Um, I mean, if he's not willing to run the ball at all, it's a detriment to this offense because they like to run the read option. They like to run read uh, RPO plays in the passing game. And I mean, we're getting nothing from CJ Stroud. The the read option is not a real play. It's a handoff. And the defense knows that. They know that at most it's an RPO and, okay, hey, guys, drop back. But I don't know how many times Tulsa just collapsed the edge. They came inward, heads down, ready to go. C.J. Stroud could have had a half a dozen first downs. He could have had a 30 or 40-yard run but he was unwilling to do so. So if that's all due to his health, 
I'm with you. We need to see somebody else in there. And it, it sucks. I like CJ Stroud. Like I said, I defended him vehemently the first, after the first couple of games, but what we saw on Saturday, it's not good enough. And if you put Kyle McCord in there, I don't care if it's against Akron or whoever you put in there. If you put him in there and they're willing to take deep shots and they can throw guys open as opposed to, you know, guys just getting open on their own. And I don't, you know, see, or Kyle McCord is not known as a, a big time mobile guy, but if he's willing to tuck it three or four opportunistic times per game, so be it. You know, you can get Wally Pip, you can lose your job. So I understand CJ Stroud wanting to go out there, but the coaching staff has to do what's best for this team. And if that means somebody gets an opportunity, at least a one game audition to rest CJ, I think that's what they have to do. Yeah, CJ Stroud, 15 of 25, 185 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, like Josh alluded to, the pick uh, pick was thrown. It was kind of a deep ball. It was overthrown as usual. It, it was not a great throw. It went over Jeremy Ruckert's head. Jeremy Ruckert, a pretty big target, pretty hard to miss. Not the best throw. Um, and and like, kind of like I said, like I, I can't stress this enough. Chris Olave having zero catches in a college football game is insane. Um, did you notice, Gene, did you notice... His body language as the game went on. I think, I think Chris Olave is a great teammate, a great captain, a great player, all of that. And I think through like three quarters, he was all of that. But I felt like in the fourth quarter, I, I saw a couple of times, and maybe I'm reading into it too much. He wasn't boisterous about it. But as the game wore on and definitely towards the end, I feel like he was just like, what the hell are we doing out here? Like, Get me the ball, please. Let me make some plays. Again, maybe that's why I wanted to ask you, did you notice any of that from him uh, later in the game? I didn't particularly notice it, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, like, Ohio State has the best wide receiver room in the country, and they were just, they they were seemingly, like, scared to throw anything deep or, like, take any shots or do any, like, they weren't even, like, I felt like they weren't even throwing forward passes half the game. Like, it was just such such conservative play calling and such a, a fear of, taking any shots when like you have like even if you don't have the most accurate quarterback in the world guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jack Smith and Jigba are are pretty much always open and if a ball is somewhat near them they will make a play on it and try to catch it and to not try to utilize these guys more I know Trayvon Henderson was having a fantastic game and he really bailed them out but you know the pass blocking I thought was doing pretty well CJ Stroud had a good amount of time and he just they they weren't hitting these guys, and to to waste uh like a a, a performance from these wide receivers just it, it doesn't I don't get it. Like I know like Ryan Day is supposed to be this brilliant offensive mind, and I just thought he called a really bad game yesterday. You have to get these wide receivers involved in the offense. There's no reason this team shouldn't have been able to put up 60 points on Tulsa with the, with the wide receivers they have out there. It's a huge mismatch against anyone Tulsa has on defense. You have like you have basically three NFL wide receivers out there against against a team that lost to an FCS school. It shouldn't it shouldn't be hard to throw the ball around the yard. Like it just doesn't something doesn't add up there. I don't really know what's going on. Nothing the coaching staff is doing on either side of the ball makes any sense to me, and I feel like it's really – I'm hesitant to blame any of the players because it's just so uh, – Ohio State has so much talent on this roster, and it just feels like they're utilizing it in the worst way imaginable at, at every turn on at, on both sides of the ball now, and it's 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 very frustrating to watch. I'm sure it's frustrating for the players, and I just – I don't know how you fix these issues. I don't know if they're they, – I don't know if the coaching staff is seeing it. I don't know what they are thinking is going on, but it's it's been tough to watch. I think it's confidence. I, I really do. And I think it's, I think CJ Stroud is struggling with it 
at times because of his own performance. And, you know, that shoulder is probably on his mind. I can only imagine. And to CJ Stroud's like to his, to his defense, I guess, like it's probably harder to play offense when you feel like you need to score on every drive because your defense is playing so poorly. So it's all intertwined. It all comes together into one package of a team that's playing. Like you said, got a lack of confidence. They're, they're scared. Like the offense has so much pressure on it because the defense is so bad. The defense has so much pressure on it because they've been so bad. And because there's so much talk about them, it's just a, a, a ticking time bomb here that's like it's just not good right now in Columbus. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that CJ Stroud's own self-confidence is now by proxy affecting the people who need to have confidence in him. You know, Ryan Day, neither one of us loved the the play calling yesterday, but I, I don't believe that Ryan Day forgot how to call plays all of a sudden. I think that he lacks confidence in his quarterback. Whether Again, whether that's due to ability or injury. I, I'm not willing to say that C.J. Stroud can't get it done. He's just not doing it currently or what we saw on Saturday is not what we need. And then his wide receivers, um, you know, they need to have confidence in their quarterback too, that they're going to run these routes. They put them in a position to be open and get the ball And maybe they're lacking a little bit of confidence in their quarterback as well because it's just not happening. You know, it's it's mind blowing that Chris Olave didn't even have a catch. Um, But I think it all sort of rolls up together. I think that this team lacks confidence right now, and you know, unfortunately, in each other, in, in a sense or in a way, and they have to figure that out. This this offense is capable of hanging 60 probably every week. The talent is there, including the offensive line, which I saw, you know, I saw some people banging on the offensive line. I think, I think they've been really good. I think that they're trying something new. Uh, Thayer Mumford obviously went out of the game Saturday. Matt Jones looked rough in pass pro a couple times, but then I thought he was better in the run game and he had a nice pull on one of Travion Henderson's long runs. It may have been his uh, long touchdown run to where he kind of bounced out and took it right, pulled, and he got ahead on a hat really well. So, um, but, but yeah, just again, looking at the whole collection, this, this offense is missing their swagger and they should have all the swag in the world. They've got Travion Henderson, all these wide receivers. They've got quarterbacks in the room. They need to figure out which one is going to be on the field and lead this team to 50, 60 points a week. Yeah, so for me, this next week coming up really feels like somewhat of a turning point for Ohio State. They're going to play Akron, and I just feel like that it either it's going to be a turning point in the good where things start to click. You know, you get a little bit of confidence against a really bad team like Akron. You know, you get some stuff moving, you try some stuff out, it works, whatever. Or it continues to be bad. And, you know, you play a closer game than you want against Akron and you have to make some sort of drastic change, whether that be, uh, you know, an assistant coaching change, a quarterback change, what have you, whatever it is. If they struggle against Akron in any way, I think that's that's cause for a lot of concern and a drastic change to be made. So I think this next game coming up is is a big one for Ohio State. I, they're going to win it. Like, they're not going to lose to Akron, I, I hope. But, <laughs> like, it's it's going to be something where if this team still continues to struggle, that they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror and be like, all right, it's we can't keep doing, like, minor changes. It has to be something major. And it, it's, it's a big turning point in their season. That's good, you know. The, a 10 and one, you know, 11 and one, a 10 and two Ohio State team could quickly become like an eight win team if things don't change sometime soon and they don't figure things out quickly. So, you know, the, the Big Ten schedule is on the horizon. 
they got to continue to get better. Uh, I guess a saving grace if you're an Ohio State fan is that pretty much every college football team in the country stinks. So you have that going for you. Uh, Alabama, right now. Alabama, despite looking infallible the first two weeks, nearly blew it against Florida. Uh, Oklahoma struggled with Nebraska. Clemson, I, I think Ohio State broke Clemson in the playoffs, but then was like proceedingly broke by Alabama themselves in the in the game afterwards. So that's a fun little dynamic. Clemson beat Georgia Tech fourteen to eight, and Georgia Tech had a chance to to like win the game at the end on the goal line. So that was, you know, a yeah. Clemson Clemson has scored two touchdowns this season against FBS opponents. That's a fun little wrinkle. So if you're worried about Ohio State's offense, take a look at Clemson, and you'll feel a little better. Cincinnati uh, was a game. I watched that game. Cincinnati that was, was, a that was it was a good game. game. Cincinnati struggled in the first half against Indiana and then kind of figured it out in the second half. Uh, Notre Dame struggled a bit with Purdue. Uh, UCLA lost to Fresno State. Like it, It's not like nobody is any good in the country. So it makes you feel, I guess, a little bit better. But, you know, Ohio State obviously has a lot of problems that they need to figure out on their own. And no, no amount of everyone else sucking is going to help them make the playoffs if they can't play any bit of defense and their offense continues to to sputter how it has so far. Yeah, I, I would try my kind of optimism going forward is I, I really do believe this, that if Ohio State can put together a full game, I think it's really going to do a, a lot for their, their confidence and, and everything else moving forward. I, I hoped that we were going to see that against Tulsa, but even though it's Akron, if Ohio State can have a game where they put up 56 points and they get three or four sacks and they just they dominate an opponent, that's what I think is going to help them a lot. And that, that sounds pretty obvious to say, but this team has no swag. They've got no confidence right now. Uh, you know, Oregon robbed them of that. They took it all away. And so if they can just get that back, they're going to play with more confidence. The coaches are going to have more confidence in their guys to do more. And I think that it'll put them on the right road moving forward. They still, in my opinion, have three weeks to ramp up. Obviously, that's subject to change. You know, Tulsa was in this and they're now 0-3 with that a couple of bad losses. But we play Akron, Rutgers, Maryland. Rutgers and Maryland, you know, they'll probably both be scrappy, but we've, I think we still have three weeks before we play our next challenging opponent. And I, and I hope it's that way because we need the time, but they've got three weeks to dig down and figure it out. They can experiment at quarterback. They can experiment a little bit on defense, but what I mean by experiment is, you know, Hey, Cody Simon, you're now out there full time. And Tommy Eichenberg's not. And I, I'm just throwing out an example. Or, hey, Ryan Watts, now that you've practiced at safety, we're putting you in Bryce and Shaw's spot, and you're not coming off the field. We're going to leave you out there. If you get burned five times, you're staying out there for a sixth. Put the guys out there. Leave them out there. And um, you know, hopefully these next couple of weeks give them the opportunity to find that confidence because I do think that's all it's going to take for them to – right the ship yeah i hope so man i mean i'm i'm pretty worried about that maryland game if the problems they currently have persist because maryland could could pass the ball a little bit and they've been playing pretty well so i'm that would be a game where if, if these next two ohio state continues to struggle i am i am betting maryland money line and i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to fade ohio state against the points i'm three no doing it so far and until they prove me otherwise i'm gonna continue to make money off of ohio state struggling so if you live in a state where gambling is legal, I'd highly recommend it as well. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, we could touch on some of... We're going to hit you guys with an Akron preview. 
uh, sometime early next week. So we could touch on some of the stuff we'd like to see moving forward in that game. But I think, you know, to put a bow on this one, it's still, you know, Ohio State won. It wasn't pretty. They pulled away late with with the pick six and some other stuff, the late Garrett Wilson touchdown. But you shouldn't be in a one-touchdown game with Tulsa in the third quarter. Neither side of the ball is playing particularly well. And, I, you know, like Josh said, there is reason to be optimistic because with all the talent this team has, they can – play better it's not like you know their best players are optimized and they're just getting nothing else from everyone else even you know even their good players aren't playing up to their standards right now besides Travion Henderson so it's there's a lot that could be improved there's a lot of room for improvement the ceiling is still high with all the talent they have they just the coaches really need to figure it out and put it together all in one game like Josh said if you know in 2014 they had that game against Kent State where they won 66 to nothing they need a game like that against Akron to really get the juices flowing and show them that they are you know, a good team, and they are the team that they thought they were coming in in the preseason. So I, I agree wholeheartedly there. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to if you're a, a more optimistic fan. I usually am. I'm just, I'm struggling with this team a little bit just because of, like, the, the way that the issues are presented is a, is a way that's it seems pretty hard to fix. It's not like it's, you know, one player is bad or, like, one thing they're doing is bad. It's a whole mess of a bunch of stuff, little things that are all adding up to a big thing. So it's a little harder to fix than just one typical problem, but I guess it is fixable if you could just change some little things around and maybe, you know, I'm not asking the defense to be the 2019 defense. They just need to be kind of serviceable. And then if the offense just figures out how to use the best wide receiver core in the country, along with now what looks like one of the best running backs in the country, I'm sure they'll be just fine. So it's, it's not the most concerning thing in the world but if ohio state comes out against akron and continues to struggle then we'll talk about it but we will we'll touch on that in our our uh our preview next week josh you have anything else from this game you want to say before we sort of wrap up the the tulsa recap here no you know i would just uh, i would encourage everyone to uh to keep the faith as as difficult as it is or may seem and i'm i'm a pessimistic guy uh, ask anyone who who knows me and i'm usually the the pessimistic person but at some point talent wins games um they just need to gel and get it together and figure out the best collection of talent they can put out there on the field um and if you look if that means that we win games 42 to 38 every week so be it but i i'm really confident that the offense can get it figured out and if the defense can just do enough i still do have faith in this team to be to be really good, I think that they've got a tougher schedule than we anticipated, but they've got time to ramp up. I think that come end of the season, they're going to have Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. And, you know, you've got until October 30th is the first of those games against Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you've got that long to figure it out. And... Quit experimenting so much, but do different experiments. Put guys out there that you've got confidence in. Let them play through any struggles they're having and, and figure out who you want out there. But keep the faith. Remain optimistic. This is still going to be a good team. We've still got, for my money, the best one of the best coaches in college football. I truly believe that. So, you know, hopefully we just need some time. We need to, we need to go bash brothers on one opponent, and, and we'll get it back. Yeah, so kind of a fun dynamic here. Josh, the pessimist, me, the optimist, both meeting in the middle and saying, eh, it could be better or it could not. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep keep the faith and hopefully it gets better, but we'll, we will see. So, uh, yeah, you know, there's a long season ahead of us. We'll hopefully they figure these things out. I do agree that Ryan Day is, is a good coach. So I'm hoping he's able to, you know, get his guys in shape, get everybody together on the same page and 
wins the football games. I would prefer them not all be 42 to 38 for my own heart and my own stomach. But, you know, if, if a, a win's a win at the end of the day, so if they could get through the rest of their schedule undefeated and make it to the Big Ten Championship in the playoffs, then uh, I guess they're doing something well at that point. Yeah, and Gene, hopefully people listening uh, or who will listen to this are getting to watch Justin Fields against Joe Burrow right now. We're recording on a Sunday. Looks like Andy Dalton's hurt. So maybe you'll have an NFL season to look forward to with some Justin Fields playing time. So I've also, I, also, I also just watched Zach Wilson throw his third pick of the game in the first half against the Patriots. So uh, nice. a, lot of, a lot of fun Sunday football going on. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to go get to that and enjoy the rest of our Sundays. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your Sunday as well as much as you can off of another you know, semi-frustrating Ohio State win. Uh, like I said earlier, we'll be back to you sometime early this week with an Akron preview. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. And uh, for Josh, Julie, I am Gene Ross, and we will talk to you guys this week. Go Bucks!